You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, located in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. We hope this message is helpful to you in your journey with God. For the live stream archive of our worship services, you can visit youtube.com slash cornerstonelebanonpa. Christian community is best lived out in face-to-face relationships with one another. We encourage you to physically participate in a local church setting within your area. Learn more about our faith community by visiting cornerstonelebanon.com. Before I start, I'll just tell you really kind of a fun story. So years ago, it's, it's over 20 years ago, I'm sure, uh, Leonard Sweet, some of you may have read some of his books. He's kind of a crazy church guy. Um, he did this uh, poll of college students, and um, the question was, what is the sentence you, both, you, you, you most want to hear? What is the phrase that you most want to hear? And these were the three top answers. This has nothing to, by the way, this has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. Nothing, absolutely nothing. As soon as I'm done, just forget all about it. The first one was, I love you. The second one was, I forgive you. And the third one was, supper's ready. (laughs) Don't you love it? We all love that, supper's ready. Good morning. <laughs> it's really good to be here. So I feel like Goldilocks. I have, I have stool number one, stool number two. Um, I'm c- still dealing a little bit with post-COVID fatigue, so I asked Justin if I could have a few props, you know, just so that I don't crash, you know, I'd be like a redwood falling down and it, it wouldn't be pretty. So... As Justin, as Justin commented on at the beginning, I'm going to be talking about the leader-congregant relationship. Now, the word congregant kind of doesn't roll off my tongue, so I'm like, I actually went to the, I went online and going, what's another word for congregant? We need some help here, you know. I thought leader-follower didn't totally work, uh, leader-non-leader didn't totally work, leader-parishioner Um, I grew up Catholic, as some of the rest of you did. That sounded too Catholic to me. Um, You know, leader, uh, but not, and then those who are not currently leaders, because when I look across the room, um, people either are currently leaders or they were like leaders last night or something, you know, so. um, And then there's the shepherd sheep thing, too. And of course, in the scripture, um, we read that a lot, the shepherd and the sheep. Um, so, but I am going to stick with leader congregant just because it's a little, yeah, but I want to just let you know, how did, they, how did they land on that word? Um, this is an important topic. By the way, I, I do need to let you know that I have this uh, very neatly printed set of notes, six pages. This is my before 10 o'clock last night set of notes. Here's my after 10 o'clock set of notes. Um, Jim, said, Jim said, wow, I go, yeah, and, I go, and, I, and I'm bringing all of the notes. And he said, this worries me. This worries me. So hang on. Um, before we get started, this is a very important topic. Before we get started, though, I just want to give what I'm calling a, a disclosure statement 
Um, when we talk about leaders, any kind of leaders, but I think particularly church leaders, um, most of us have some kind of history with church leaders. Um, some of the history is very positive. We've been inspired. We've been mentored. Uh, we've been parented uh, in the faith by really precious people that have gone before us. Um, some of us have been disillusioned by leaders. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, um, I worked at a restaurant, and I had become friends with this woman that was a very regular customer. And the one day, and she was Catholic, as I had been raised Catholic, and some of you know that I was you know, going to be a nun and in a convent and that whole ball of wax. But anyway, so she began talking to me a little bit about her previous life and what she'd done before now and all this kind of thing. And she begins sharing with me about how she'd had an affair with a priest. Well, the priest that she had the affair with was a person that I absolutely worshipped. So we all have stories. We all have histories. Now, that, being disillusioned with a leader, in my case, that was mild compared to what some other people have uh, experienced with leaders in the church. Um, sometimes it's been abuse. Sometimes it's been physical abuse. Sometimes it's been mental or emotional abuse. So the one thing, no matter what else I say, I want you to understand, um, leaders do not have total freedom to just roll over people. That's not the plan. That's not, you will not find that in Scripture. That's not in an ordination vow. Thou shalt roll over people. No, 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 no. Does it happen? Yes. Are people broken? Yes. Are leaders broken? Are congregants broken? Sheep broken? Shepherds broken? We're all broken except for the great and good shepherd, right? Amen? So let me get that out of the way first. <clears throat> so the six pages of notes, <laughs> I realize part of my, part of my preaching style is I, I spend a lot of time kind of setting the table. It's like a meal. I spend a lot of time setting the table. I get the silverware, I get the blah, 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 blah. And I felt the Lord saying, you know what, let's not kind of spend so much time on the table. Let's try to go with the entree. Can we kind of move into the food a little bit faster? So, <laughs> so I may be going back and forth again. Um, between the old notes and the new notes. Why do we even spend time talking about this topic? The leader, follower, congregant relationship. This is an issue that is very important to God. Leaders matter to God. Shepherds matter to God. Sheep matter to God. The body of Christ matters to God. And the relationship between the two is very, very important in God's scheme of things. When Justin is talking about this new humanity, this plan that we're going to be seeing unfold in the book of Ephesians for this great, this new humanity, the relationship between a leader, the healthy relationship between a leader in the church and the body of Christ, the church member, whatever, what, what a... What a magnifying glass. Remember I said the word healthy. What a magnifying glass to show the glory of God, to show the work. Am I, am I telling the truth? Yes. Because we don't do well with leaders, people. We don't do well with leaders. 
So we talk about this, we spend time looking at this topic because it matters to God. And it's in the scripture. You can't read very far. And you either trip over a leader that, you know, fell off the cliff or a leader that, you know, led the people to a wonderful place, whatever. It matters to God. Um, so many places in the scripture, um, you know, Jesus refers to himself as a good shepherd. Um, there's the uh, verses from Isaiah 40. Um, he will lead his sheep like a shepherd. He will carry them, and he will gently lead those who are with young. There is that, that shepherding heart that's coming out of God, and there's that care for the sheep that is coming out of God, and, and it's all over the Bible. If you, if you ever want to do a little bit extra work on that whole topic in terms of how much God cares for the sheep, just Google um, judgment against shepherds, and Ezekiel 34 will pop up. Listen, they were in big doo-doo, big trouble, because they were not treating the sheep appropriately. Then there's another story about leaders and congregants, and that would be the story in um, Numbers, where Aaron and Miriam, who are the sister and brother of Moses, this is Numbers 12, I'm going to read it, because it's like crazy, it's crazy making. Okay, so Moses was a leader. Yes, we know the story. He brought the people out of, out of, out of um, uh, in prison to the Egyptians for 400 years. He's kind of like the man, you know, that sort of thing. And so, but here's this conversation, Numbers 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Now, they were gossiping about Moses, their brother, because he married the wrong woman. Sound familiar? What's he doing with her? He married a Cushite woman. And they said, but listen, what he, listen to what they ask. Is it a fact that the Lord has spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? Wow, man. I really identify with that. Do you identify with that? Those times when you question leaders like, who made him in charge of me? So number one, we talk about this because it matters to God. Then my second point is that if, if over here on this side of the uh, front here, we had kind of the pre-Jesus, pre-new creation stuff. So we have the rebellion. We have the converse, We have, you know, the rebellion of Korah. We have all these different things going on. You know, it did not take people. We have a rebellion problem. It didn't take us long to start rebelling. It took about five minutes in the garden, and the serpent comes along, and Eve begins to second guess what God had said, and then humanity is off and running. Amen. Amen. And so this is the deal, people. If we have trouble obeying and following God, how do we do when it comes to following people? 
mean, just kind of let that roll around in your head a little bit. We have an issue. So over here, we have these issues. We have this rebellion. We have this other stuff. And it added to that is we live in the West, in, the, in a Western culture. We live in the United States. And um, we don't do, we even do worse with leaders, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we elect our leaders. They're supposed to represent me. Sometimes that carries into the church. We like to have a pastor that will represent me. Um, and, and as if that all wasn't complicated and hard enough, we also live in a culture of consumerism and celebrity, right? And it's in the church, this whole, this kind of a worship of celebrity. And I believe what that has contributed to for us in the church, is we either put leaders on a pedestal and expect, ah, God-like behavior, except, except it's kind of in a Starbucks way. Ah, God-like behavior, but we want the behavior to be customized. Soy, non-fat, latte with whipped cream. You know what I'm saying? The, our expectation, we bring expectations to the leader-congregant relationship, and if we're a leader, we bring expectations, and if we're a congregant, we bring expectations. So because of our culture of consumerism and worshiping celebrities, leaders are attracted and feel compelled to become celebrities, and congregants put them on pedestals until they take them off the pedestal, until they disappoint or they don't, or they fall off. Some leaders jump off. Some leaders have the pedestal ripped out from under them. It's sad. It's very, very sad. So over here, we have that stuff going on, okay? And then over here, we have this new humanity, this new creation, this call to walk in relationship with leaders, leaders walking with congregants in a way that will be reflecting kingdom perspective and kingdom values. This is over here, okay? And I, I am convinced, this is, my, this is my second main point, that our ability to go from this place over here even over to this other side hinges on faith in God's working and developing all of us. One of the things that goes on in, in my heart, in my marriage, is God will say, he'll kind of clear his throat. Does God ever clear his throat? <clears> throat> hello, hello. <laughs> I will be not happy with Jim. You know, those kinds of thoughts going through your, your mind like, the man will never change. <laughs> and then God asked me this question, do you believe I am working in this man? Yes. I have moments when I go, hmm, not sure today, but no, because, because I have decided, because I have grabbed a hold of that faith, God is at work in him just as God is at work in me. 
And this is a huge point in the leader-congregant relationship because we need to be trusting God's work in our leaders and our leaders need to be trusting God's work in us. In those moments of frustration and I can't believe they did that and I can't believe they said that and I can't believe they didn't show up and I can't believe they did show up and I can't believe they left and I can't believe they arrived, then it's like, God, you know what you're doing. You, you never take a vacation from knowing what you're doing. You will show up and you are continually faithful and gracious and working in me as a leader or working in me as a congregant. And we have to live there. That is where we have to live because there are going to be moments when we don't understand. There are going to be moments when we don't understand. Sometimes it's a lot of moments when we don't understand. <clears throat> there are going to be moments when we look at scriptures um, in, the, in the communication that came out from Cornerstone midweek. Um, I asked you to take a look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders. Every American loves a phrase like that. Obey? Mm, no, I don't think. Only on Tuesdays. Obey your leaders yielding to them, submitting to them because they have responsibility to guard and guide your souls and they will be accountable to God for it. But when we're looking at scriptures like obey your leaders and we're, start, and we're at a moment like I'm, I'm having, I'm struggling I'm struggling, that's when we want this faith piece. God is at work in them, God is at work in me. God will give me what I need to do what I need to do next. God will give them what they need. Does that mean that they listen all the time? No. Does that mean that they obey all the time? No, and neither do we, okay? I have, by the way, things are looking up. I have a paraphrase for that verse. <laughs> I, I don't like the word obey, I think, I think we, I think, and especially as a woman, it's like a, it's like this jerk, this knee-jerk reaction, like, ooh, obey. This man can, this man can really tell you stories, even in other countries. <laughs> Things happened when I wouldn't listen. <laughs> but in the Greek, and I love this, in the Greek, that word, in Hebrews 13 for obey, is have confidence in your leaders. I love that. Now, part of it's because it's a little easier for me to swallow, but the thing is, it's, but it's also the truth. I have confidence. I have confidence in your leadership. I have confidence that you care for the body of Christ. Do I think you get it right 100% of the time? No. But I have confidence in God's work in you. I have confidence in God's call on your life and that this is a good thing. So it's have confidence in your leaders, yielding, which is kind of like giving them the right of way. You know, when you're at a four-way stop, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, the bases are all loaded, and you're trying to figure out who goes next. By the way, I have to tell you one California story because I've got a little extra time. So... When we moved to the state of California, you know, we had to get a new driver's license, right? So we go to the DMV, and they give us the book 
to study for the test. It's like an encyclopedia. I'm like, what? You know, the Illinois, the Pennsylvania, like this little tiny pamphlet, right? Oh, no, not California. It's like a big old thick thing. I'm like, what's the deal? Well, there's so many people groups, culture groups, other countries moving into the state. California, and they all come from places where they drive differently, and it gets most hilarious. I realized the need for the thick book when I was in a residential area not far from the church where we worked, and I was at a four-way stop, and all the bases were loaded, and it wasn't my turn, and you know what I mean? So, and it's like everybody's looking at everybody because they didn't know what to do. And then someone leaps out. It's very frightening, actually. <laughs> but yield. Give the right away. You have confidence. First, we have the confidence in God, confidence in that he knows what he's doing, confidence that leaders are important to God, sheep are important to God, it's all important to God, and we have confidence in his working in us, and then we have confidence in our leaders, and we yield to them, giving them the right away, because people, they are going to answer God has given them a call, and he will ask them, did you take care of my sheep? What's his sheep laying over on the side of the road? What's the deal? What happened here? People. The people that read the book of Hebrews would have understood that illusion immediately because in the Old Testament, they had the watchman on the wall And the watchman was a position called by God to be looking out towards towards the direction of where trouble might come, where the threats might come, where the dangers might come. And if they saw something, they were supposed to warn the people, just like with the chauffeur thing. That was awesome, Joy, that chauffeur thing. They were supposed to warn the people, and if they did that and the people did not listen, well, then it was on the people. But if they were sitting on the wall, hemming and hawing, I don't know, is that a real threat? You know, like, hmm, let's do a threat, you know, risk analysis here. You know, is it, should I, is it time to warn the people? And then they don't warn the people, and something bad happens, then it's on them. So there is a responsibility that rests on our leaders. <clears throat> When I think about the plan and where God wants to take us and how we want to have confidence in our leaders, I began to ask, well, what are our vulnerabilities then? What is it that actually trips us up? So we've kind of left, you know, rebellion land, total like sold out to rebellion. Now we're over here, we're trusting God, but we're over here but we're, there's some hiccups. There's some problems. And I will just tell you that I, I'm going to talk to the sheep first, the congregants first. I think one of, there's a lot, we, can, we complain, we gossip, we criticize. These are not great people. You know, in the Greek, the word for gossip is diabolo, which means devil. This is not, this is not good news. Gossiping about leaders, who they marry, what they're wearing, their hair, please. But something that I believe is very destructive, I've seen it, is 
because part of that Hebrews 13, you know, the second part, yielding and submitting, is when those of us who are not currently in leadership, we actually, I'm going to stand up for this, we arch ourselves over our leaders. It's the total opposite of submitting. We arch ourselves over our leaders. What does that look like? It means... Well, it's like, it's like when you're an armchair quarterback. Now, I'm not, I don't know a lot about football, but I do know about people that sit in chairs watching the football game on a gigantic television, and they have an aerial view. Oh, if only the quarterback had an aerial view, right? Because what do we do? We're sitting in our armchair. We're going, no, no, you overthrew it. No, you, no, no, no. Can't you sit? No, no. Of course you're going to get sacked. You're standing in the middle of the field holding a ball. But you see, we do that with our church leaders. Don't we? I do. I will tell you, Joy, Joy Courtright completely wrecked my life on Good Friday. We were at the service, and she just asked us one question. Who do you think you're better than? I had to like get like a legal notepad out. The Lord began to show me, well, pretty much, you know, you kind of think you're like everyone, especially church leaders, because I'm Catholic, you know. I've been Mennonite. I've been Church of the Brethren. I've been Assembly of God. Did I leave any out? Baptist. Oh, yeah, and then I was Baptist, too. How could I forget them? And so, and so I'm like, I'm on this perch. And, and so and not only do I have this huge denominational experience, but I've also been a pastor, a pastor's wife for like 700 years. And I have been, I've worked in all these different, you know, I've, been, I've worked in the Mennonite church, Church of the Brethren, Baptist church. And so I think I know things. This is where we live. I know things. I wish you knew things. It's very, very destructive to the body of Christ. I worked at a church, and the senior pastor was a challenging individual. But one of the members of the church started a campaign to find a replacement for the senior pastor on his own. I said to my coworker, this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. This is not godly. This is not honoring what God does. This is not honoring the person that God appointed to this position. This gentleman is going behind the scenes. He walked up to Jim one day. Wouldn't you like to be the senior pastor? What? What are you talking about? You know, um, this is something that the enemy uses to really discourage our leaders. And um, leaders often feel isolated um, anyway and lonely. Um, and so I would just, I, I, I really call on all of us that are not currently in leadership to ask ourselves, am I doing that? 
Who do I think I'm better than, smarter than, more knowledgeable than? Listen, I was pastoring before you were born. It just means I'm old. This is going to be part of the prayer and the praxis, which will be, God, show me my heart. Show me, show me my heart. The enemy is always, people, the enemy is always working overtime to take out leaders. Always. Because when the enemy takes out a leader, he does not just take out that leader, it's a lot of other people with him. Several years ago, when Bill Heibel, who was the founding pastor of Willow Creek Community, um, he was accused of uh, immorality, impropriety, you name it, you know, and that was a church of 17,000 people and a, a friend in South Barrington, Illinois, and a good friend of ours that lives in Illinois, she said to me and Jim, you've got to move back here and help. You've got to do something. The, the elders of, the, of, of Willow are falling apart. The, the whole church is falling apart. This is 17,000 people. This is like the size of a town. Are you, are you with me on this? this? That's just one congregation. Now, it's a big congregation, so it gets more notoriety, more press time, but this happens in small churches too. I also, because I, I, I do want to tell you this story, it was very impactful to me. So a few years ago, I was at, you know, I went to counseling conferences in my role uh, in California, and I was at this counseling conference, and Henry Cloud and John Townsend were there speaking, and they wrote, like, boundaries and a bunch of whole books on counseling. They're both psychologists and stuff. And they were doing a session on coaching. And they had started, they, were, they, were, they had a practice, they were therapists, but then they also opened another practice which was coaching, and they did executive leaders, and they did pastors. So there's about 200 in the room, and these two guys, I mean, I, I thought they were going to break into tears. They pleaded, because most of the people in the audience were therapists, and they said, would you please consider expanding your practice to include coaching pastors? Because they were seeing pastors that had become so isolated, so lonely, so disconnected, and were about ready to fall off a cliff. I, 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 that probably happened like eight years ago, and I've never forgotten that moment, just the look on their faces. So the vulnerabilities for pastors. Our vulnerability is thinking that we know more than the pastors know. But the pastors have vulnerabilities too, and if you are a leader, I have a few questions for you. Nobody gets out of here, you know, unscathed today. So if you're a leader, if you're a pastor, what, do I crave recognition? These are, these are vulnerabilities. doesn't mean every leader has them. Do I crave recognition? Do I crave love, acceptance, and appreciation? Now, I'm a people pleaser, and a lot of people pleasers go into pastoral ministry. It's like, a, it's like a gift package. I want everyone to love me. Seriously. Do I crave people depending on me? Am I more passionate about causes and projects than people? Am I able to set reasonable, healthy boundaries? Am I intentionally avoiding isolation? 
because if you are a church leader, you will have to intentionally build that into your life. You will. And then the last one that I think is really critical is, do I have a designated mentor? You don't have to have 12 of these. One, one that's really committed is enough. But do I have a designated mentor who is committed to my spiritual growth? Because one of the issues in these leaders that are falling overboard is they are isolated and they're not accountable to anybody. You want someone in your life that will ask you those hard questions that no one in your church will ask you. How are you handling your money? How are you handling your sex life? You need someone asking you these questions. When we were in Bible school, more than one teacher said, Satan is not terribly creative. The three things that he used thousands of years ago to trip up leaders, he's still using the same three things. Power, sex, and money. End of story. And so if we don't have people in our lives, leaders, that are asking us those questions, we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable. All right, so number one, this matters to God. Number two, we have to have faith that God's working in us. And then number three, and I'm going to close with this, God's calling us all to lay down our lives. God is asking the leaders, and worship team, you can come up. God is asking leaders, are you willing and prepared to lay down your life for these people? Now, he's really asking this. He's not pretending. When people come to Jim or me, others that are a few years ahead of them in the journey, go, what do you, what do you think, Pastor? Should I consider taking this church? Should I consider saying yes? A legitimate question is, are these the people God is calling you to lay your life down for? Because if they're not, Either it's not the right people or we need, to do, we need to have a talk. God and the pastor, we need to have a talk. But then I really believe that God is also asking those of us that are not currently in leadership a very similar question. So those of us who are sheep, congregants, are we prepared and willing to lay down our lives for our leaders by committing to pray for them, intercede for them, extend patience and compassion and mercy and forgiveness. Because that will require a laying down of our lives. All the while believing that God is working in our leaders just as he's working in us. It matters to God. Have faith. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. But he is going to ask us to lay down our lives. Amen? I mean, this is the plan. This is, unfortunately, this is part of the plan. <laughs> we all get to die. I mean, Jesus said, if you try to save your life, no good. But if you lay down your life, then, then, you're really going to find out what life is like. So that will be your prayer, and that will be your praxis, going before God with those questions. 
Am I honoring my leaders? Am I yielding? Am I, do I have confidence in them? Am I arching myself for them? And then for the leaders, am I taking care of myself? Am I taking care of myself? And then am I willing to lay down my life? Thank you. Amen.